On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Resident Alien sticks the landing, if Invincible sticks the beginning, and if Steppenwolf lands the sticking. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host for this episode, which means that it's my job to lead us through comic book TV, ask really hard-hitting questions, and just get to the root of what's making these good, and also what's making my co-hosts bad. Speaking <laughs> of, I'll go ahead and introduce them. Uh, bad boy number one is, of course, Mike. Oh, I've been elevated to bad boy number one. Yeah, well, we, I, we, I guess we, I'm good boy number one. You're bad boy <laughs> number one. Oh, okay. What's making me bad then, I guess, is not being able to hold back the enthusiasm for being introduced first. So yeah. I would say that's what makes this co-host bad. We all had to fucking sit here and witness your reaction to that. <laughs> My posture changed. <laughs> it really lit a spirit in you. And you know what? I apologize for not always introducing you first and that it would create this reaction. Like, I no, called no, no. you a bad boy and you still got so excited. <laughs> Uh, Cassie, I think that now we have the proof. Like, and this is the problem with people like Mike: the excitement that he gets when he's introduced first is the reason why he's never introduced first. You know, he sort of ruins it for himself. Here's here's why I got excited uh, when Ryan, who has not been introduced yet, uh, oh, that counts. Actually, that counts, Mike. You just introduced me. Uh, There's a ten minute only Cassie and Ryan segment, so I was excited Mm. to maybe finally get some time just with my main host Cass but Ryan instantly jumped in <laughs> see this is why like this is why I normally go to Ryan first you know you know he's got to get in he's got to play in this playpen where like you're the polite <laughs> bad boy and he's just the talkative yeah. bad boy and he's got to he's got to get in here uh, there's Never no badder the boy than the polite bad boy <laughs> the, the you polite. don't know what he's capable of <laughs> but, but uh, it's probably good etiquette <laughs> Ryan, we are. Well, let's try to see if we can have a conversation, Mike. What would you want to talk about right now, Sans Ryan? Let's see how far we can get without him coming in. I think I, the, the first thing would be like how hard it is to have a conversation way. without me. See, I was gonna say I wanted to know what Ryan thought about, but I mean, what's the point? What's, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? He's gonna talk anyway. He's already been introduced a couple of times, but Ryan is here. Ryan, welcome to your official introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Not as happy as you two, obviously, but uh, I'm here to crush and I'm here to win. And unlike most reality competitions, I am here to make friends. Just not us. You're here to make new friends. (laughs) I I don't know where these friends are because I don't know if the friend vibe is coming right now. Like you have been like just trying to interject yourself, but I guess you could try to be our friends. I'm pretty sure that I could take any vibe you two can throw at me and twist it into a friend vibe. Any vibe, you say? Yeah, I can figure out a way to make it myself feel welcome and complimented. Okay. <laughs> Mike, can we talk about how Ryan is uh, just a big poo-poo face right now? Yeah, I've never met a bigger poo-poo face than Ryan. He just <laughs> walks into the room, his face looking and smelling like poo-poo. Just the, poo-poo. If you guys really wanted... 
to uh, handle me, then you would have not talked about me at all, but you immediately talked about me and my poo-poo face. And I am on cloud nine right now. Look, I hate to admit that when you're here, you we end up talking Your about family. you because you make it happen. When you're not here, we end up talking about you because we're like, I bet that poo-poo face would say something like this right now. Oh man! I would love to have an in-depth adult conversation about the geopolitical ramifications of that boat getting stuck in that river. <laughs> we you know how every time that like parents go out to dinner, you know their relationship is ruined because all they can talk about is their fucking baby. Yeah, that's you too, and I'm the baby. You're our baby poo poo boy. <laughs> baby poo poo boy. Uh, welcome to the pod, though. Thank you for joining me. We got a big episode. I would love to talk about Ryan for most of this, but unfortunately, there's a lot coming up. We got to start this off with going to Justice League, and then our main event is the Resident Alien finale. So let's go ahead and get to it. Starting off with Justice League. <laughs> In the third hour, a.k.a. parts five and six, of Zack Snyder's Justice League, everything finally comes to a head. Or, you know, stuff finally actually happens. As the Justice League use Mother's Box to rebirth Superman, and then there's flashes forward of Diana on a pyre and Darkseed killing Aquaman, and then there's flashes back with Black Suit Superman dealing with dually daddy voiceovers, and then the Flash has to run the fastest he's ever run, making everything go back in time, but he's shot running the fastest he's ever run, but he still rewinds time. Anyway, the Justice League wins. Taste buds, I ask you this. Does Steppenwolf's mysterious downfall and need for redemption... Uh, pull you enough for you to care about the villain beyond big CGI monster wants to kill the world? The most that I cared about him, like, I cared the most about him the previous one when he took off his little helmet and you saw his sad eyes. In this one, I didn't really care. I Like, I was no emotional attachment to him. Unless, unless I can see those big baby blues, that's the only time I care about him. <laughs> I do think that, like, brings up an interesting point, though. The best, the most, not the, maybe not the best, not the best looking, but the most effective effects in this movie are Steppenwolf's eyes. And Mm -hmm. I think after this uh, third part, which is chapters five and six, six, I do think that he is the most compelling character. And I don't mean that you're necessarily rooting for him or that you relate to him, but um, his, basically his like uh, challenge with middle management, you know, of like (laughs) being in charge of so many people, but also having so many people in charge of him. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, trying to, like having that dedication, I think that he is the best part of this movie so far, if we can call it a movie. Because even, even if it's not fully explained, we he does get the most like pathos injected into him that he just wants to go home. <laughs> like he says that it's so odd how many times he says, "I just want to go home," and we are never told what he did to piss Dark Side off. Like, but he yeah. is b- banished. Don't and he's trying to f- f- Mike? Don't even bring that up. Because then Zack Snyder is going to release a new cut where he reveals what he did to piss Darkseid off. I can't watch that. Steppenwolf is just at a bar with Granny Goodness. <laughs> like, but unfortunately, he's made it where like that's the main thing that we do want. Like, I want to know why he's so eager to please like uh, Darkseid, and also uh-huh. why he can't go home. Like, it is every time the fact that we got so much detail with everything else, but those are just side mentions. It's like fuck, give me that. And we do- In a dozen side mentions. Yeah. Like, he says the same <laughs> sentence a lot of times. We also have to mention, too, like, it's hard enough being a pen wolf, but then to be, to, like, marry into that family and then be a step pen wolf, like, mm-hmm. that's, it's difficult. It, it breaks families apart. And, like, 
nobody wants to be named because their parents banged to the band that made Slow Ride. Is that Steppenwolf? Is that the right band? I think Steppenwolf is. I like to dream. Uh, Magic Carpet Ride. Okay. That's not Slow Ride. That's, Magic Carpet Ride. That's Fog Hat. <laughs> that's Fog Hat, you fucking illiterate piece of shit. I'm Go sorry, to college and get a no degree. Cool music. There is two hours of movie to talk about. We're talking about Fog Hat right now. That's how Yeah, well, that lets you know. And this is, again, this is the part where things happen, is that the league teams up the amount of times they all stand in a row together to Dude. go oh start God. fighting. The end of this chapter of just oh, yeah. them on the ledge for 35 <laughs> minutes. Just staring down, seeing if they can spit on a parademon's corpse. Uh, we so get, long. We get, they exhume Superman. They they decided the only reason the the league exists is to to bring Superman back. Uh, he walks slowly through the Kryptonian ship and picks the best outfit, and he's decided it is black on black on black, and then freaks out and starts fighting everybody next to some sort of reflective lake until he sees Lois. Yeah, before, like, when he's fighting, he's not in the suit, because it was my biggest issue, was that he was buried in just pants. He yeah. is sockless, no oh, shirt, yeah. just pants, and it confuses the hell out of me. Well, no, no, no. that when, means he was buried like that. When yeah. Aquaman is carrying him, he is wearing a full suit. Okay. What it actually <laughs> means is that when he came back to life, it all flew off, except for the pants. Like, the shoes and socks. Hulk rolls. And <laughs> he does, Mike. I know he does. Uh, shirt, jacket, tie, all flew off, and... But it also means that he was buried as Clark Kent, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Did, the, did the world know who he was when he was buried? No. No. And they kept like every time he was destroying everything, everybody was like, Clark, stop. And I was like, so all these years hiding his like yeah. his identity. And now we're just throwing out Clark Kent's well, social once, security once number. Once somebody dies and comes back, you can say whatever you want. The, the weirdest thing is that Diana, I think they'd met once, right? And she kept saying Kal-El. Like, one, mm. how'd she learn his alien name? Two, like, I freak out if anybody besides my parents call me Michael. You do not use my <laughs> alien birth name, strange lady I met and fought with once. Kal-El is what his mom screamed at him when he didn't clean his room. <laughs> it does. And now like Wonder some... Woman just thinks she's allowed to. Yeah, it feels like she's just like trying to use this as like a power advantage. Like anybody who mm-hmm. uses your real name or full name is just trying to get a one up on you. And you know what? I won't stand for it. Well, the other thing too is that uh, I think Diana is probably the only one that she she knows that she's probably the only one who has a chance against him. And you can still see right. in her face. And I, you know, like we all like she's the most appreci- or like we appreciate her performance the most out of all of the if we're in, uh, thinking about the entire DCEU. Uh, but and so she has it on her face of like, I oh fuck, I can't, I can't fucking do this. Like no no, I'm screwed. Yeah. I kept thinking two things. And it was really hard. These might be hack tags at this point, but it was really hard to not think of these two things. One, uh, why do we need a Justice League? Yes, uh, Superman is gonna be fine without any of them. Mm-hmm. And we see that not only when he destroys them, but like when we get to Steppenwolf, when Superman finally lands. Um, He's fought like he could have handled all of it. And the other thing too yeah. is, uh, man, if we could hustle through your coming back, that would be awesome because they really need you. What if Zack Snyder we just didn't kill Superman at the end of Batman versus Superman? What if he just survived and we could have cut out hours of this movie just to have Superman from the beginning? Well, that's not his way. 
Also, I was going to say, I don't know that this movie would be about if Superman wasn't around, but it's not like the whole movie they were trying to bring him back. It really does seem like they're like, all right, we're here. We're going to do it. And somebody was just like, so we bring Superman back to life? Instead of people being like, what? Because this alien box, do you think it could do that? They just go, obviously. <laughs> no, it can. For and the also, first... Like... Go, oh, go ahead, Ron. There is, like, I wanted to, like, as you were saying, like, we needed to cut down time. If we could have just had him alive. It would have saved us so much time of him just caressing sunflowers in the field, too. Because that was, like, 25 goddamn minutes of him at the Clark, like, at the Clark farm just caressing grass. Is that, that's Smallville? Yeah. <laughs> and also Friday Night Lights a little bit with the lighting and the music. Uh-huh. And maybe a little yeah. bit Superman and Lois. I think it's Zack Snyder. When some people will go back and watch Kurosawa or Hitchcock, he was watching old CW and WB shows in order to yes. prep his movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, part of part of this, like right before he comes back, we we do another check in on Lois because uh, we should only check in on our most human character of the best caliber actor, like every fifty five minutes. And she like reaches across and is sad he's not there. But were her and Clark together enough? that she would miss sleeping next to him. In my head, they were together for like a month before he died. And then, and then she's just like, oh, I can't believe I'm sleeping alone again. I know, but this gets back to, ultimately, I think an inarguable thing about Zack Snyder. Like, you might think that he is a dynamo director, or you might think that he is not that great of a filmmaker, but inarguably, he doesn't give a fuck about certain things. And yes. <laughs> he wants to fast forward through that stuff and just have us assume, guys... In order to give you all of this cool slow motion battles and punches and shit, we have to fast forward through the fact, like through all of the points where Superman and Lois or Clark and Lois grow and have this amazing, you know, relationship. Let's just pretend they've earned it. Uh, I would g- g- talk about his slow mo. Uh, there is, I, I got got once is when they're all fighting Dark Superman, who I think you're right, Cassie, uh, bare chested except for that furry furry rug. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flash is running. And it was Clark moving even faster than like you just see Clark's head turn and watching that. That got me. I was like, "Oh damn, you're gonna get got, Barry Allen." <laughs> I remember. I, Mike, did we see this in theaters together? There's no way now. Okay. <laughs> well, I saw it with my uh, my pillow version of Mike that I carry with me sometimes to movie theaters, and that was I think that was the one time where we were like me and the pillow. I mean, uh, oh fuck, this movie's cool. Is when the Flash knows for a fact he's gonna run and punch Clark, and Clark turns his head even faster than the flash is running and is like what's up bitch (laughs) it is cool until you have to see the amount of times like the slow-mo running effect does not help ezra's decision of how he runs like i don't understand the fling fingers everywhere he's like a marionette somebody's learning how to do a marionette and all the limbs just keep going in every direction for those of you not watching at home the three of us just invented the greatest dance craze of all time (laughs) (laughs) it's called the ezra Absolutely insane. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, a bunch did happen in this one. And that's because uh, Pomplamoose, what is his name again? Not Pomplamoose. No, that's it. Pomplamoose is what we've decided to call him. <laughs> Pomplamoose Steppenwolf. Uh, he does put all the mother boxes together, which then leads to us getting more of also Cyborg's dad. So we get like, I don't know if they're trying to do a bit of a redemption, but I do, I do kind of like what they did with his dad here. I have to, we have to bring this up, and I, this is probably just for Mike, because Cassie, you don't know about pop culture before the year 2022, mm-hmm. uh, but Joe Morton is a tech CEO, billionaire wizard, inventor of a bunch of crazy things, holding a thing that is going to blow up information, and hyperventilating and freaking out, Joe Morton is holding this button, and then eventually decides to flip it. Mm-hmm. Does that feel familiar at all? No. 
Joe Morton played Miles Dyson in Terminator 2, where he sat with the button of Cyberdyne, ready to blow it up, and then blew it up. It, this has to be some sort of homage, yes? Is that why they cast him? I, it has to be. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's the exact same situation for Joe Mo. The only, only explanation. But yeah, so like I thought it was going to be, you know, this is obviously like the big moment of like these are connected. Oh, no. And we do get a fight scene of them trying to fight without Superman. But then, of course, Superman does come and joins and it's all fine. But like, were you just waiting like you knew we all knew it was going to be fine. So were you fine with the fight scenes while it was happening or? No, they they weren't cool. Uh, (laughs) Like the the one cool part, uh, Aquaman did surf on a dead parademon. Mm Mm-hmm. Like yes. he surfed into a scene on like a dead that that was pretty dupe. But yeah, pre- again, when what pretty dupe. It was pretty dupe. Uh, when <laughs> when your whole visual style is slow. Again, I would much rather watch Daredevil hallway fight scenes or Arrow. Like show us choreography, show us anything cool. And this is just taking your action figures and so slowly moving them across the screen. Mm-hmm. I, I I disagree that that he is a cool visual director when his visual move is the same move over and over and over again. The action figure is a really good uh, analogy because when you had two action figures in your hand, the good guy and the bad guy, you would try to move the bad guy or the good guy's fist into the bad guy's face, but sometimes they would you would just slam their bodies together. Yes. That, that's this. That's this. They're just It's just slamming CGI like pixels or whatever at each other to see if it works. And- I want one, this chapter, chapter six, they, each chapter has a, a name that we haven't really talked about, but chapter six, his name is something darker. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't think there could be that. I think that a lot of the, at least the battle. So there's two, uh, two major like hour long battles that we get, which is outside of the dome and inside of the dome. Right. And mm. I think that th- what's crazy, I was sort of enjoying myself until I realized that I, it's just because I had been bored for so long. And the feeling that I have right now is still based on bad storytelling. You know, like even though I'm finally getting all of the dessert to all of the vegetables I ate before, it's this is still sucky. Uh, But I realized that like we are post Nolan Batman and uh, Batman versus Superman did not change that. We're still post Nolan Batman. So what they have to do is they have to figure out how are we going to put Batman in this battle of Wonder Woman and Superman versus Steppenwolf? And so uh-huh. that's what they spend so much of the time doing is figuring out how this dude whose superpower is rich is going this to fucking man. compete in this battle. So we have so much Batmobile, so much of Batman going, holy shit, holy shit, <laughs> holy shit, the entire time. And I think that maybe if he was, if Batman was Green Lantern or something mm-hmm. else in this big galactic battle, maybe the movie would have been a little bit better. Or if he had a different role, if he kind of had like the tech role, if he had to sneak into a thing yeah. and hack it. Or if he was uh, Oracle, you know, if he's right. at home yeah, yeah. with Alfred and everybody else is like, uh, you know, he's manipulating everybody else. That seems more Bruce Wayne to me. But to go yeah. from uh, what the Batman that we have before, the Batman that we sort of know of like uh, incredible fighter, incredible detective, rich guy to, uh, yeah, I'm just here on this parademon cannon shooting parademons with their own cannon. That's that's a lot. And. It flashed to that scene so many times. It was jarring every time. Like, if there was a rhythm, it would just, like... It it almost like he wanted to highlight that Batman's a human because it'd be, like, moving in, like, a super powerful god slow-mo. And then it would get to Bruce Wayne's scenes where he stole the cannon. It'd be like, doo do 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 He, like, trips up to the cannon. Like, he's like, look at this human. It would have been awesome if it showed Ben Affleck running like this, like the Flash, like, in slow motion. But that's just really his actual... Everybody else was in regular motion. 
Did you can see you can see Ben Affleck's bulky body trying to move in that suit. Like there's one time where he stays in yeah. the ship and climbs up the ladder, and he is just he's a 50 year old dude in a bulky ass suit, and it is hard <laughs> for him. <laughs> I, I do I did appreciate that there was a bunch of times where they'd all go into a different room and then like five minutes later Batman would run into the room. Yeah. <laughs> that the straight up like he was full human. Like he had one job, he was on the cannons and like homie the flash still got shot. Like the flash still got taken down from his one job. So <laughs> it was it was a bad time for Batman. I, I, I do want to dig into that because like I've, you know, mainlined comic books and this kind of shit my entire life, and I was still like did I tune out? Cause I guess they all died, and then Barry learned he could travel back time, but he got shot the fastest. He like I was like, this is gibberish. Well, yeah. I think the hardest part was actually I think it was in these chapters. Who knows? It all blends together. But at one point, um, yeah, because this is where they bring back Superman. Superman. So when Cyborg is about to bring back Superman, uh, he flashes to the future, and now Wonder Woman is dead in a pyre with the things on right. her eyes. That I don't think that was great storytelling. I think that was super confusing. Uh, just like trying to figure out what's going on. Cyborg is seeing the future because of the mother box real quick. And then I think that just sort of... That's, it, it's sort of indicative of the editing style of don't worry about it as long as it looks cool. You know, As long as it looks cool, then you're going to be okay. Yeah. Which is, is most of this, and it doesn't look cool enough. It's wild. It's also wild. We are out of time to talk about this, and it's leaving just the epilogue for next week, which is, I've heard, a whole adventure, so I'm excited to talk about that. Um, but we got to go and dig into our main event. In the season finale of Resident Alien, Harry ruminates on life and death and what makes people kill. The men in black fully reveal themselves as they threaten the kids at gunpoint, Asta deals with the fact that Harry is here to kill people, and Darcy struggles with her life not being as she expected. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Does the finale arc all the characters we care about enough, while still making us want to come back for more? And we can start with, like, all of them kind of arc. So if we can start with, I want to, let's say with Harry, because he's our big main point. He's the one we've been focusing on. Like, is Harry's arc satisfying? I, I think this was always going to be the roughest one going into this because he is the plot controller, but also he is the controller of lame. You know, like he's the controller of like, how much are we going to roll our eyes when he's like, well, actually, humanity is great and I yeah. love it. But the whole like, animals live in harmony with the earth. When they kill, it's for hunger. Humans kill because they are weak and want it's, to feel strong. It's basically uh, Harry is the Mufasa and we're the Simba under the uh-huh. cliff and he's just pointing out to all the world and telling us about how the world works in the circle of life as far as that goes and basically making it more about pizza than humans a little bit about humans but more about pizza i i would say that it it, it stuck the landing more than i thought it would the the, the pizza part yeah the, the 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 intro monologue not so much but yes the he's obsessed with pizza and realizing like what humanity brings like pizza uh and that i i really did like the power of friendship i think so many shows would try to turn things romantic and his connection with asta it was just like, you are my friend, and we've chosen to care about each other. Cool. Yeah, but don't you yeah. still want them to hook up a little bit? <laughs> or or do, you want, do you want him to dump her? When I look at her, I, I just keep thinking, dump her. Should, should he dump I her? I hate you. We, <laughs> hate, we all hate you so much. But no, I was glad that they didn't make that decision to make it like romantic. Like it, it was leading up to it. He's discovering what love is. And then he was like, you're my friend. And I was like, fuck yeah, sci-fi coming through yet again. And, and, if, and that, if you thought that Asta would have any like sentimentality, 
then at the end, she's like, go! Please, yeah. get the fuck Her out! And he's like, oh, oh this device uh, counts, uh, will detonate in 80 seconds. And she's like, why are we hugging? <laughs> like, get on your shit. Fuck away from me. Uh, yeah, that, that's the kind of Resin Alien we love. It, it's also part of his arc. It was revealed in a flashback that r- it was real Harry. Human Harry killed the doctor. Yes. Mm-hmm. and I, so I didn't see that coming. That yeah. is part of Alien Harry's arc in a way like, is that the show trying to be like, see, he's not that bad. He didn't. He murdered a murderer. I don't know. Also, when they, they still had him talk to that body where the body was like, you took, like, you also took. Is it Isabel was his wife? Like, he was yeah. you murdered too when you murdered me. So, like, they're still trying to make him a monster. But Harry didn't. It doesn't seem like Harry got to know the real Harry. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like he's actually in his mind. He remembers. You know how, like, after Mike dies, I'm still going to do podcasts and have mm-hmm. Mike in my head. Uh, <laughs> Harry never got to have the real Harry. This is just alien his Harry's. Guilt. Yeah, it's just the guilt come alive. Like mm-hmm. it's it's more his Jiminy Cricket than the actual doctor that he murdered. Also, did you notice as far as tropes go that uh the the way to tell the difference between the real human doctor of Harry and the alien is the real human wears big black glasses. Like it's Clark Kent and Superman all <laughs> over again. I was thinking weekend at Bernie's, but yours makes more sense. <laughs> but we do have like were you guys fine ultimately with like we all knew that like Harry would have this arc and like find humans fine, but for me, I feel like I knew I knew I was expecting it, but I was fine with how it was handled. Like I wasn't ever annoyed that it was ending at where I knew it was happening, or where it now, was going to go. I mean, especially with our shows, but I think with all art, uh, you have to a lot of it. You have to take it with a grain of salt. Like you have to just let them do their theme and mm-hmm. you know enjoy the jokes in the meantime. Um, I thought, you know, like he had to he had to come back and save Asta and Max, and that does make sense if you watch yeah. the whole season. Mm-hmm. I think the crazier part, the part that probably makes less sense in a sci-fi way, is how his little green glowing ball of destruction found his thumbprint to be more human than alien. Yeah, yeah. that that part is weird. I, I don't know if I can explain that one. He well, he's infected with their emotions, and as that, we know, that means your thumb is changing. Just your thumb. How, how do I get that? How do I get infected with human emotions, Mike? I'm just, I've been trying to figure out for a long time, but for you, it's like if you don't drink water, your phone won't recognize your thumbprint and unlock. That's true. <laughs> um, the next arc I want to talk about is uh, let's go for Asta because she's. I've enjoyed seeing the more like because we saw her starting out as like kind of the, like business side to her. I would say because we saw her just in the office and we've slowly been getting her like interacting with friends and now she's worked through her whole, you know, uh, giving away her child and everything. So we've gotten a lot with her, too. Yeah, she was kind of business in the front, dumper in the back. I'm sorry, Cassie. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> Why would you? That's, That's for you, like... Ryan. That's what you sound like. <laughs> You're obviously talking about her butt. That's crazy that you would say that. I got nothing. Oh, should no, I, should no, I, should okay, I, so no. I'll go. <laughs> Cassie, I'll go. I think that with Asta, we ride this line of good Lois, bad Lois, and not like evil or good, but like well-written or poorly written Lois. And mm. I think Asta rides that line of sometimes that she is the, you know, uh, the torchbearer. She is the story controller. She's the one with the agency. And then sometimes she falls in that line of save me, Superman, save right. me. Mm. And I think this episode specifically rode that line of you know, we we really like Asta as a character. Like her figuring out her shit is one of the most compelling parts about this show because she is a child who gave up a child when she was a child. You know, like it's a lot of complicated right. stuff. She gave up childish things. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
But then, uh, in order to make the end part happen, she has to be held at gunpoint with right. a child. You know, so I, it's it's what, complicated. What I think is wise as like an emotional character arc is she kind of completed her journey an episode ago. Mm-hmm. Which was yeah. accepting Harry's an alien, so she was more plot than character in this one. And talking but, to Jay an episode ago, and talking to Jay an episode, yeah. So she finished those. So like, because we had a lot of the, 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 this is like a bigger cast than you would remember at first. I know, and everybody went through a thing. So we finished her thing already, and now she's there to, as the already enlightened one, is kind of facilitating other people's arcs, um, and acting as a plot device, both trying to stop Harry. Uh, and then trying to, and then becoming uh, damsel in distress with Max, and then hugging Harry and being like, "No, the power of friendship is what saves the world." Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. It was at least I feel fine with her. I think because we did get like it would have if we never got any resolution to her because she was such a beloved character. I guess like I'm fine with it, even though she was just kind of used as a plot device in this one. I think I'm just giving sci-fi a lot of like <laughs> benefit on this one. Well, Dude. That, that's how their shows work, man. They get their hooks in you, and then you're like, yeah. you're allowed to do whatever you want. And if it was bad, I bet it was bad on purpose. Yeah. Our our journey from Dark Matter, which is like, okay, to uh, Wydona Earth, which is like, shit, they're good, to Resident Alien, this is one of the greatest shows of all time. Sci-fi, <laughs> sci-fi is like raising us on how to watch TV. I know. I'm loving it. Let's go ahead and go to um, Darcy and Jay and how they've grown. Because, you know, I love my girl Darcy, this fucking mess of a human being. I love the arc that she got in this one. I'm so fucking excited for her to be just like a shitty mentor. This is everything I've wanted for her. I can't remember if it was Cassie, you or Mike, a podcast or two ago, who predicted that Darcy and the mayor would hook up. It was probably one of you two because you two it are the, clearly this, the smartest ones. Uh, you. <laughs> it was me, you stupid sons of bitches. <laughs> no, I'll take the credit. Yeah, Mike, great work, Mike. Thanks, Cass. Uh, uh, I, I I do think that I'm I, I'm a little wanting on Darcy as far as her personal arc mm-hmm. goes, but well, you know she's left on that bench drinking out of a flask. She the yeah the moment with the mayor is so she she says like she doesn't get the narration Harry gets but she does the most talking out loud of what she's been going through of I thought my life was going to be this way I broke everything at the Olympics and so now I'm just a loser bartender in this tiny town and the mayor's like the town needs you like you're the one bit of life and like he he's trying to show her that like life is different than what you thought it would be but that doesn't mean you failed which like a lot of adults I think need to hear that phrase uh but then she takes any sort of kindness as a like well let's make out then i hold on i disagree and this is not just to back up my girl darcy who is more my girl than you two i'm a bigger fan um (laughs) and you could tell that she's my girl because instead of saying will they won't they on that bench she said may or may not and i appreciate (laughs) that i i think that what he was saying what goes beyond hey we all need appreciation and it was Oh fuck! Instead of like being flirty and coy, you're instead of saying like I want to fuck you, he was saying I'm in love with you. Yeah, and that's you. You can now you're putting together all the signs from dinner on, right? And because his, I know we're not on the mayor yet, but walking up to the house, he goes, "Ah, oh, honey, what's for dinner? Divorce? Okay." Like he is, he is fully, and that's what like again. I think this is a good show. So Darcy didn't finish her arc, but she did move a lot since episode one because we are not done. So like. She has arced, but where it feels like Asta has completed her, like she is now 
full Asta. Needs a new one. Yeah. Uh, Darcy is still on that journey, and I don't think that's bad writing. I think that's pretty genius that every all your pieces on the board have moved, but yeah. some have completed their journey and some have not. Well, if I was a TV writer, and I'm not, I'm just on a podcast that teaches TV writers how to write, and then they write based on my commentary yes. on their shows, mm-hmm. uh, then I would predict that in season two, Darcy has a kid. Because um, her her with Jay in this episode, and it's not the healthiest relationship because she does destroy a car. Oh, God damn, is it awesome to watch her destroy that car? She helps Jay confront her abusive dad. And then uh, when Jay's talking, and it seems like Jay does not know this is part of the plan, the, the, his truck is on a hill and Darcy puts it into neutral and lets it go. And the guy goes from being mad to worried somebody's going to die. And then we hear the sound effects of people dying. Because that truck definitely barrels through a busy intersection. And Darcy goes, we're going to leave. So maybe she's grown. But God damn it, is that she's still a train wreck. And in real life, that white male would say, I'm going to sue that woman for $10 million. And the judge would be like, tell me no more. Yes, you get $10 million. But on TV, it was fucking awesome. Also, it's small town, like, sci-fi. So, you know, like, the deputy's going to know he's a piece of shit. Like, you can just go ahead and go after the piece of shit. Uh, Speaking of, though, let's go ahead and get to the arc of the deputy and the sheriff. Because I was very happy with how the relationship now is, like, them working together. It was so good. He bought her a Keurig, Cassie. He bought her a Keurig. An espresso. Even better than a Keurig. Yes. The upgrade of it. He got the fancy one. I want to give the deputy all the time possible in this conversation, but I would be remiss if we didn't first start talking about the sheriff and uh, Harry discussing... The best line in the run of the show? In the run of television history, maybe, Mike. (laughs) Like, this is... 2021, shut it down as far as lines go, because uh, Harry screams at the sheriff saying, I am more handsome than a pig, and the sheriff doesn't miss a beat and just says, oh, me too. I'm somewhere between a pig and a dolphin, and... (laughs) Well, he says, I'm somewhere between a pig and a dolphin. You know dolphin is a fine-ass animal. That's the, that's really the button. I know I say this every week since the first week, but in that first week when I said that I don't know if the sheriff is a well-written character, again, I'm sorry. He's perfect. <laughs> I take it all back. He's so perfect that I don't know which ones are him making up the lines and which ones are written. I like, know, it's so right. in tune. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he finally like, you know, he's his arc is that he is working with the deputy, which he needs to do because he's not I don't know if he's smart, but he's just so I don't know what the deal is with him. He needs this woman 100 percent. And he's realized it (laughs) in this one. And like to see them working at the board together was like one of my favorite parts of it. Without them saying it without him going to like some sort of PC rehab what it actually is is just a takedown of toxic masculinity like him realizing mm-hmm. without ever using that term uh my masculinity the thing that I think that I have to be because I'm the sheriff and I'm a male is actually toxic and so if I actually appreciate people um maybe my life and their lives won't be so bad especially when you have a very thoughtful intuitive Good detective deputy. <laughs> Good at her probably, job. She should probably appreciate her. Yeah, and her and arc, like, I guess she just, like, accepting, she was very quick to forgive. You know, she, like, mm-hmm. gave him, like, she wasn't, didn't let him off the hook. But once, like, he was said, I'm sorry, and sang to her, she dropped it, which is, like, very yeah. cool. And, and yeah, now she's bold enough to be like, oh, I found this boot. It's definitely connected to that random foot we found. Like she puts it together and then mm-hmm. he's like, it's near Harry's house. Yeah. So it is like, we're a team. 
Um, the next team we get is the mayor and his wife because when, just when you think it's falling apart, they got to go full parent and just beat the shit okay. out of the fucking agents. I <laughs> can only imagine. I can only imagine what it's like to be a parent, right? Like that seems insane. Mm-hmm. But I think that now I know because of this scene. For you are just normal white idiots. And then somebody threatens your kids and you become fucking action heroes. So much so that music has no choice but to start playing as in slow motion, you destroy government agents. And it's Ooh Child, right? Or what's the name of that song? Things are going to get easier? Yeah. Fog Hat. Uh, Fog Hat. (laughs) So yeah. So the Men in Black, or as Zahar calls it, she's a woman in purple skirt, Men in Black. Uh have come back and put the kids at gunpoint, like, tell us where Harry is. And the mom is just up Lululemoning on her treadmill and not <laughs> noticed. And uh, when she comes down, she's just also then at gunpoint. They put her in a closet. The, the way when the mayor sees what's happening, he breaks in and the mom breaks out of the closet, you'd think they're going to do normal horror movie where they hit them like twice, they get knocked out, and they're like, well, we did that. They don't stop. And it is the most brutal slash funniest thing that they just don't stop hitting them with pans and lamps. Yeah, like, it is so brutal. Like, he is shoving the lamp down into her face, like, doing a baseball yeah. hit with a frying pan where it's like, this would be murdering There's them. But it's funny. On them. That's the thing is that... Uh, like, it's supposed to be comedic, and so they're just supposed to do their job, you know, which is basically like, oh, vase hits you at the top of the head, and then you get knocked out, but the vase bounces off and lands perfectly. This is, I am going to fucking murder you. Like, I will have to be pulled off you, but it's all set to a slow motion, 70s, easygoing yeah. song. <laughs> it's, it's so great. But now they have this moment to bond, and they do bond. Their marriage seems totally fine, at least for the night, because now they have saved their child, which is going to kill them. I will never wash my shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they are happy and turned on that both of them have literal blood on their shoes. I have to say that neither one of you are my children, but if either one of you are attacked, me and the other one will do this exact same thing to the people who attacked you. Yes. Oh, oh for, for sure. sure. 100%. Uh, I do like when Zahar's mom picks her up. Like, she doesn't get lines, but she looks at them. Like, even though they saved her kid, they're covered in blood. Yeah. They're, like, panting. You can smell that they want to have sex. And their mom is like, I know it's not your fault, but is kind of glaring at them in a way like, but she might not be allowed at Max's house anymore. Also, that that's not Mike making a gross joke. You can. We can. Smell that they want to have sex in the audience watching a television show. Max can. It Max, is, like, rolls yeah. his eyes at them. <laughs> Oh, they are going to hump. <laughs> and then we're almost out of time. So the last, I don't know if it's an arc or just like in a development form, but we do get the agents and we find out fully that obviously the unhinged chick one is going rogue with the general. And then we get the poor guy who's just tried to finish up his gig and can never end it. I, it, it feels like we missed an episode about them or something. And maybe it's just like kind of world building. But that, is he like bamboozled is he like being blackmailed to work with them because the way he's like i'm done now it's like well no he thought he was a normal federal agent and these two bitches are crazy i thought they were going to reveal that they're mother and daughter Uh Mm uh-huh yeah and they but no they're just same kind of crazy (laughs) (laughs) your crazy matches my crazy um but yeah as i said like that sadly we are out of time and sadly that was the finale this is the last we get to talk about this show until it comes back I can't wait for that. And just to like get me past um, like this downtime, I think I'm going to create a website that's just going to be all the clips of Alan Tudyk doing physical comedy because I want people oh, to realize man. he's good at this. And like, we, did, this is we didn't talk deserves. about 
We didn't talk about like him just offering pizza to babies. The guy oh, is yeah. so good. <laughs> and, and and like and when the when the mom pulls the baby away, he just shoves it into her face then. <laughs> like and he's just <laughs> hugging random people cuz pizza. Be, this was a big deal for us. Let me ask you guys an actual like serious question instead of whatever bullshit you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Uh Shushies are coming up in the summer. Uh-huh. Resident Alien. How many yes. nominations? How many wins? So many. How many so awards many. are there? Cuz all of them for me. If I well, whatever pull I have. I mean, this is the season of Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is mm. WandaVision. Okay. And I think WandaVision will give Resident Alien a run for its money on a lot of things. Okay, Cassie. <laughs> I, I think that we can tell how the end of the show is going to go. Um, but Cassie, I think that website is sounds like a really good idea. Right? Uh, do you think I'm it, able to just like, should I just go for no. it? I'm gonna, okay. No. All right. I don't think you should do this alone because like, because we want to really put him on a pedestal. We want to put two dicks it. on a pedestal. He deserves it. And we need that, like, the, the public to want to spend time in your site and really, really sit there. And so you need, if you demand to do it yourself, you at least need a partner who's going to, like, give you drag and drop tools and customized templates so it looks like the unique vision it should look like, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. I wish, if only I wish there, there was somebody. something. The drag and drop tools sounds so so clutch for what I need. I just want to throw that in, and you just—it sounds like you knew somebody, but it's just not right are you there. Guys, are, are you guys trying to think of somebody? I'm yes. trying, trying here. Oh, okay. When you figure it out, let me know. Okay, okay. Cool. easy to edit templates. If somebody, there's no way somebody has all this stuff, right? What somebody person? who manages your back end, like yeah, handles your security, handles your updates. It's got to be like Ryan. Is there somebody who does this? Uh, are you asking me? Is there somebody that does this? Yes, there has to be. There's but, somebody, right? It's out the like, it's out the tip of my tongue. I feel like we talk about like I when, wish when it, you guys well, figure it out. Please let me know. We it's like we need a partner for the digital world. Oh, that sounds oh. like something. Oh shit, that is true. We do need a partner for the digital world. If you guys figure out who that is, I need you to let me know. Are you talking to the listeners now? <laughs> yeah. If you could write in, contact at your pop filter. Who is you, this? I, I don't I don't know if we're gonna figure this out, but I've heard that somebody who could help you with this stuff is cybersprout.net. They might be able to at least let you know who the partner for your digital world is. Okay, hold on, Mike. <laughs> I, I can see you Googling and researching. Are you sure that this is the best company for it? I'm Googling the word research and this is what it's <laughs> And Cybersprout comes up? Cybersprout I do think is is from my one second of Googling, uh, and years of working with them. I don't actually don't want to undersell this part. Cybersprout.net is uh they they hook you up. They do everything you need to make a fucking dope ass sick ass website. Perfect. I'll reach out to them so we can put the two dicks on a pedestal. Uh coming up next, it's time for our pull list. We are back for our pull list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is Invincible. On the first episode of Amazon Prime's Invincible. Our Spider-Man by way of Superman story gives young Mark Grayson his powers and his costume. But it's Mark's father who is the main story here as he works with the Justice League knockoffs, the Guardians of the Globe, and the Cracker Jack opening scene, and then mutilates them to death in the crackier, jackier final scene. The second episode is more Invincible-focused as Mark joins up with the teen team to try and stop a seemingly constant alien invasion. Taste Buds, much has been made about the show not knowing which audience to appeal to, to whether it be the kids who need these lessons or the adults who need this uber-violence. Do you agree that the show is a little schizophrenic? I disagree. I think it 
it's a, like probably your 10 year old shouldn't watch this, but I think your 12 to 15 year olds are going to come for the violence and then start learning some shit. And then people like us are going to enjoy it. And I think it's, we're, we're fully in the era of postmodern Superman superhero stories. And I think it's doing it really well because it's one, it's based on a story that did it really well and it's changing enough things uh, to make it all interesting. The near constant alien invasion is a really funny, like, and they don't hang a lantern on it, but that's a really funny, like, point of any big city in any comic ever is in a near constant alien invasion. And well, this one just is. And I think a lot of that goes to John Hamm. Let's get to that in a second. Cassie, let me ask you this. Is, is this a coincidence? Or is Amazon Prime sort of setting themselves up between this and the boys of being the go-to anti, not anti-superhero, but like, uh, sort of alternative superhero place for TV. That's what, like, all I could think about. Because I knew, like, I made it where I didn't know anything going into this about it. And, like, th- our roommate was like, you got to watch this. It's so good. So we sat down and, uh, like, just watching it, I was, like, slowly realizing, like, as soon as we saw him, you know, we introduced the kid and we see him interact with his son. I was like, oh, so they're doing the same thing. Okay. <laughs> and I was just like, cool, Amazon, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> And it just feels like, like, I don't know, I guess they have this wealth to pull on of, like, nobody else is doing this, so let's find all the shows. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it is what's happening right now for them. It's weird, because if if you're Amazon Prime, you're just trying to get every license possible, right? Mm -hmm. So is this coincidence that they just happen to get the boys in Invincible? Or do you think that this is purposeful? I feel like it has to be purposeful. I feel like they found, like, this market that was almost, like, untapped in a way is how it feels. It's like, everybody's going for superheroes, which means people are going to want antiheroes soon. So let's gather those up before people realize that this trend can happen, is how I'm viewing it. I don't know if I'm right, but that's how it comes in my mind. I think that's a good point. Unless, Mike, you think that, like, uh, channelology is over and nobody actually knows what channel they're watching anything on. Like, oh, this is a Netflix show. Oh, this is an HBO Max show. No, I definitely, like, my wife and I will be flipping. We're like, what are you in the mood for tonight? She's like, I don't know, throw on Hulu. Like, there's definitely, like, the services have their own vibes. And I think if you want to be, I want a postmodern superhero story where they're kind of making fun of superheroes while also doing it really well and being uber violent. Like, that is its own niche. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to the main thing. Um, Because I get to ask this question in two ways. Cassie, could you believe? That Omni-Man killed the Guardians of the Globe. And then, Mike, could you believe that they did it this soon? I wasn't, like, I knew he was going to be shitty, obviously. I did not expect him to murder Because of the mustache? The mustache. The mustache. As soon as he came on screen, I was like, fuck me. Mustaches uh, are cool. (laughs) Not that stash. That specific one with that haircut, it instantly lets you know. (laughs) But um, it did, That's true, because there's, like, a mixologist, I'm a hipster and a bart. Uh, as a bartender mustaches and then there's oh okay so you you've seen every episode of the tv show cops yes. gotcha. okay, and you decided cool. you wanted to be one of the cops <laughs> you tried to be a cop and they couldn't but um it does it like i forgot what your question was but yes was it i mean because mike and i from minute one of turning on invincible knew that this was going to happen so for us oh, the yeah. surprise was when it was going to happen It was a big surprise because my roommate straight called me over and was like, this is the best part. And I was like, oh, finally, let's get to some good like plot. And then it was just him violently murdering. And I was like, nope, no, thank you. Who the fuck is your roommate to be like, oh, don't don't (laughs) care about all this characterization and uh, development. Just come here to watch fucking uh, Fishman, Aquaman, 
get his absolute brains blown out by a stick. That's why when you guys said, you know, like 12 year olds will come for the violence and then learn something. I'm living with a 12 year old and I can tell you he's not learning anything from this. He's here to see how violent these murders can get. It's also the first part. Sorry, Mike, is a bullshit question anyway, because all we do as adults is watch 12 year old shit anyway. And then so. But I think we so we'll learn nothing. I do think 12 to 15 year olds will take away like there's a very sweet scene with Mark and his mom. Mark finally gets powers. And then she says, do something. And he says, make me. And she's like, oh, do you feel strong? No, I can't physically make you. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does happen to be Superman's son. But that is a conversation so many parents have with their teenage boys, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I do think it's hitting. Or should. uh, And she, she handles them both, these both powered brutes, very well. And Sandra O oh kills it, man. The vo- I think the voice acting in this is very good. Um, and put Sandra O oh in everything. But the 12-year-olds I do think could learn in a way that 20-somethings pl- on will just be like, guts. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that was the big twist, Cassie, that we were all waiting for. I, I thought that, that this would be... And sometimes our TV shows do this, uh, where they're like, all right, in the second issue of the comic book, there's a big twist. Let's make that the twelfth episode of the TV show. Yeah, and I just thought it'd make be the season finale. Boring as fuck until then. Uh, that was the big thing. The other thing that we got in the first episode is uh, one of my favorite types of things, which is because uh, I'm a, I'm kind of a Spider-Man fan, and <laughs> I I love the mix of the boring life. You have to have your real life and your fake life or your superhero life all at the same time. And I think I can, I can barely get this first trash bag into the thing. The second mm-hmm. trash bag, I launch into fucking outer space. I think it's <laughs> one of my favorite superhero moments of all time. And and uh, I really like Mark and his dad having around the world catch. Yeah. Like Mark has very specific one on ones. Like they do seem like I know his dad's a homicidal maniac, but they do seem like good parents. They each have different kind of one on ones with him that only it feels like only they could have. They couldn't have flipped their conversations. But I mean, I think that like it's an important scene to the com- like it was all a, a lot of this was from the comic book and yeah. I think this is what Kirkman intended. But that scene is perfect too because uh although we're close, my back is towards you and yeah. although we're close, we're literally looking at the world in a different way. Like mm-hmm. we're literally seeing opposite Damn. views. And Smart. so of course it we get the the uh, all of the visuals of throwing a ball across the world. And I love how the ball doesn't, like, it will hit a mountain, but not, like, it, that will not, like, change the course of the, the right. fastball. Yeah. Like, the fastball will still go r- directly into the glove. It had, nobody dies somehow, which is good that they know that. But as much as, I lo- as much as I love the trash bag scene, that throwing the ball scene is the scene of the entire 130-issue run of the comic book because it's so dad and son and so not dad and son, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, let's get to episode two, which is the nonstop alien invasion. Now, I I do think the one thing that you didn't see, Cassie, by watching episode one is I do think the first episode felt like a little bit of a early 2000s flash animation kind of thing that you would see on random websites. Yeah, when he Mark flies, it looks like those plastic, like they weren't coloring books, but that you had plastic removable things you could move around. It felt like that. Like it's weird that the animation jumped from episode one to two. Well, I, I think it's very clear. I think two things are very clear just in production style is that uh, one, this was, they made this pilot and said, do you want to buy us? And that, that meant that they had to include the killing of the Guardians of the Globe at the end. Right. To entice Amazon. And two... 
this could only be made in the pandemic because I think that the only way to get all of these actors is to send recording shit to their houses and be like, oh, we don't care. We're not going to direct you. Just say shit, say the dialogue into this recording. I don't think that the the the, the star caliber of the cast is incredible. The mm-hmm. performance is, I would say, less so. Yeah, for the most part, for sure. I, I think there's not the first person to say this, and it's been going on for like the last 15 years, but it sucks people stopped using voice actors for cartoons. Mm-hmm. And do you, th- do you think, are people getting pulled in because J.K. Simmons is Omni-Man and not like a... Not a absolutely not. If they had like just found somebody who was great, great at their job, voice actor, yeah. yeah. But and it's literally every and there's people I love in here, like Jason Su, uh, not Jason Sudeikis, Jason Manzukis plays Rexplode uh, what a on the piece team of team. Shit. <laughs> and he like actually, it's it's bad that I picked out his one because I like his performance. But like everybody is a voice that you'd recognize from a show, but they're like not big enough to pull people. It, it, it's just such a weird move. Like give good voice actors fucking jobs man i actually heard somebody talking about this recently on a podcast and they blamed shrek yeah uh th- <laughs> that before shrek you would have robin williams maybe but then uh-huh. all other people would be professional actors and then right. shrek made it or professional voice actors and then shrek made it so you had to have like an all-star cast for every character including john lithgow mike do you have a good john lithgow <laughs> no that was perfect <laughs> i I do think that I know Cassie's about to cut me off, but I do think that episode two did suffer a little bit from. I thought episode one was good writing, bad animation. And mm-hmm. I think that episode two is good animation, bad writing. They, they they just went. They they moved quickly from Mark not knowing the teen team to becoming like buddies with them. Like it felt like they 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 that that could have been pulled out over for a few episodes of him meeting them, getting to slowly know Eve. Why and we also uh, met Shield, Cecil, yeah, the OCS, and we also met Alan the Alien in here. Like, yeah, why do we have to do all of this in episode two? But like, I want the show to calm down a little bit. We have not watched episode three. Next week we're going to review three and four, but I want the show to calm down a little bit because Invincible is sort of based on Rob. When Robert Kirkman stories are the best, it's when Mark, excuse me, Mark and Eve are in the bleachers talking. It's not when nonstop fucking craziness is going on. Right. A, a moment that I thought was great was, and I, I like the reboot of William, his best friend, more than the gay panicky version of William in the early 2000s comics. But there's also a good moment because so William doesn't know why Omni-Man, and he doesn't know he's Omni-Man, is in the hospital, but he knows Mark's dad has been attacked. And his moment, like it was funny and a good character moment. He says, if you and Debbie need a lasagna, I make a good one. You know what? I make a great lasagna. <laughs> like he's being sympathetic for his his friend who's going through a thing, but like that just that little character beat really got me. I still need to take this time to brag about my lasagna. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you like one of the questions that I was going to ask you uh, both of you, but now I think it might be moot is Omni Man versus Homelander, who would win in a fight? And I think that these first two episodes prove that Omni Man is more powerful than Superman, Thanos, Darkseid. Yes. Like Omni Man is just. He has way too much power, guys. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, Omni Man is what what Lex Luthor sees Superman as. as. Like mm-hmm. it starts to make sense. Yeah. Um. We are out of time though. So, but I want to get to your moments of the week. It, Ryan, is your moment of the week the baseball scene, or do you got another one? Yeah. Uh. My moment of the week is definitely the uh, trash bag scene. I just think it's the like I I just want my Peter Parker love has to do with the fact that he is as concerned about. 
um, his group of friends and like getting into the restaurant as much as it is fighting Venom or whoever. And so it's just like mixing the mundane with the superhero and the trash bag scene is, I think, encapsulates it best, better than anything since like 60s Spider-Man. Dang. And Mike, what uh, about you? Mine is the mirror scene to that. In the beginning of episode two, we find out what happens to the trash bag. And the show doesn't let you know that's what's going on. But a dad and his little boy are checking out Buckingham Palace. And the dad says, the queen might look like a nice old lady, but she comes from a long line of tyrants. And then trash explodes all around them. And the invincible <laughs> title like cuts them off while they're talking after that. And all of that is like, the tone is so funny and captured. And that's like, it's a way of letting you know there are consequences. If in the first episode you're like, what did happen to that trash bag? There are consequences in the world. A dad and his son almost died because of a trash bag falling out of the sky. And I don't remember this being from the comic book, but for the TV show, uh, straight up props for having the first nine or 11 minutes of each episode for the first two being about John Hamm's relationship with his stepson. I like It's weird and it's funny and good job, show. <laughs> Uh, if you want to watch it, it's Fridays on Amazon. Our next show is Pennyworth. On this week's episode of Pennyworth, Alf- Alfie is finally put up getting is Alfie has finally put getting ready to go to America on pause as he agrees to stay in London and help the league for a bit. Unfortunately, his choice to stay leads him to being stabbed and hunted in the woods by his previous friend and colleague Gully. Alfie eventually kills Gully and is saved and picked up in the woods by his mom. Over on the Raven, Salt has been ratified as the new chancellor, and his first first action is to tell the queen to surrender within 48 hours or he'll release Stormcloud. Also, Martha and Thomas are getting pregnant with that little baby. Taste buds, I ask you, what is the first thing you think the expecting parents will do to prepare for the little bat child? Buy pearls. Yeah, it's just a bunch of <laughs> pearls. so many pearls. You know? and just, it, it's practicing dropping pearls at like the mm-hmm. exact rate where they bounce perfectly, you know? Because like... You don't just dribble a basketball perfectly right away. You have to practice. Those yeah. pearls have to hit the ground at the exact right Scatter moment. Scatter in literally every direction. It's what they're going to focus on the most. You're 100% right. If you want to watch Pennyworth, it's Sundays on Epics. Our next show is Supergirl. In the final season premiere of Supergirl, that was clearly supposed to be the season five finale, Lex attempts to take control of half the population of Earth as the first step in his plan to fix the universe and to kill the rest. That sounds familiar. The gang stops him by combining the powers of Meridian and Jor-El-Rodium while using Kara as bait before she got shunted into the Phantom Zone. And goddamn, does this show not care if you've seen a second of it before. Taste Buds, I ask you this. As the final season premiere, how does Supergirl set up its long goodbye? It... So much fucking happens in this episode. It is crazy. And maybe it's like, we'll give them credit for... They had to wrap stuff off because COVID made this the premiere instead of finale. But that sentence you barely could say is, I think, really encapsulates this show. I'm a poor writer. I'm sorry. I I write poorly. No. I think they are because so many times they're like, well, if we combine Meridian with Algeralium and then we take take the technology from Oblivion North and it's like, dude, I've watched a lot of this show. I I want you to shut the fuck up right now. (laughs) It's insane that they can't like... The like it didn't start as this for this show, and I don't know why if they've just run out of stuff to write or like what's happened to it, but it it is extas convoluted without the goofy funness of it. It's gotten more and more serious and self serious. I feel like mm-hmm. if 
in order to be like an editor of a show, I don't know if it works like newspapers, but like to be an editor of a show, you should have the ability to be like, this is half an episode or this is three episodes, you know, mm. and then like make them do it good. Why don't people make them do it good? Why don't people make them do it good? It's it's and the, the plan doesn't make sense because so Lex takes the immortality of the gods that were the big bad of last season and injects him in it. And then they're trying to take him down. And Kara's like, okay, I know he's immortal and he has like a kryptonite gun. I'll go alone while you guys do other stuff. Like there's no step that makes sense. And it, it, and then she gets saved by this armor Lena sends at her. Like it's everybody is surprising everybody on their team at all time. And it's like, they're like, Oh, that'll get the fans. They, they won't see this coming. Motherfucker. None of it makes sense. So obviously nobody would see any of it coming. I have a solution. Do you remember when, back in the day, when comic book uh, characters would have little yellow boxes and th- that would be their thoughts? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Pop-Up Video? Pop-Up Video? I loved Pop-Up Video. What if every episode had Pop-Up Video pop-ups, but they were just the yellow boxes of their thoughts, and we could move past a lot of this shit? Yes, that would work. Uh, it would also work if like the character moments is what pulls this in so often, and if they weren't dumb as hell, so... All last season, Brainy was working with Lex because he was trying to get in in his good graces and sabotage him, but he couldn't tell anybody for some reason. And so they save him from dying in the beginning of the episode, and then he has a moment with the Dreamer because he broke up with her. And he's like, I-, I was trying to save the world. And Dreamer says, what's the point of trying to save anything if you hurt the people you love? And he goes, oh, that's a good point. No, idiot. Saving the world is okay if you hurt somebody you love because you're saving the goddamn world. <laughs> If you're going to try to be moralistic and teach a lesson, make sure it's a good lesson, morons. <laughs> but I pop a video to just be Mike screaming at me. All the times I, it's bad. I, I do think it's setting it up in the right way. So Kara is in the Phantom Zone, and it's because Melissa Benoist is pregnant. And so, one, they're handling that well. And it's going to be the rest of the super team is, I think it's a good send-off if the first half of the season is, what does Supergirl mean to us? And that makes sense to do in your final season. Mm-hmm. Is you're very, you're saying an actual goodbye while your characters and the actors are saying, what did the show and this character mean to us? So I don't think they'll do it well, but I think their heart's in the right place. Yeah, and it seems right for it, because it's tried to be, you know, like, this show was made to be so inspirational. Like, each episode I watched, there was a huge speech from her about, like, how humanity could be better and stuff. Or something mm-hmm. of like trying to rise to like a higher level. So it would make sense for it to end on like a same sentimental of like, how has this affected you or whatever. Um, but do you have a moment of the week, Mike? I have two. I have a dumb one and a good one. The dumb one is, uh, they don't explain why, but Dreamer has a mortality gun. She'll shoot Immortal X and it'll become mortal. And it jams. This super powerful laser gun jams. <laughs> and it, they don't say it could. It's still they a gun. They never say why it did. <laughs> Uh, it just it jams and Lex says, "Oh, that's embarrassing." I'm like, "Yeah, writers of the show, that is embarrassing that you wrote that happening." Uh, and then the good moment is uh, Lex is threatening everybody after he's mortal. They don't kill him for some reason, and Lena punches him in the middle, and then says to Alex, "Oh, sorry, did you want to punch him?" And Alex says, "No, no, no, family first. And they're back and forth. They hit comedic timing very well. Uh, and it's like, "Oh, if you could do that more often." That's cool. good. I love uh, Supergirl brings out the sassiest side of you, and I'm loving that in itself. That's enough for me. Uh, if you want to watch it, though, it's Tuesdays on CW. Our next show is The Walking Dead. 
On this week's The Walking Dead, we are back to the main characters and are focusing on Daryl and Carol for an episode that the majority are agreeing was the worst episode in history of the show. On this snooze fest, the two split ways after coming to a fork in the road, where Daryl's path leads him to fighting two zombies, and Carol finds her wearing a new scarf and full-on losing her shit while trying to punch holes through a wall in an attempt to kill a rat that won't let her sleep. Taste buds, I ask you, you ever tried to punch a rat? Uh, Taste buds, I ask you, have you ever been so glad that you didn't watch an episode of TV? (laughs) (laughs) As soon as, like, what I read and they were like, listen, this show's been going on for a while and I've said it a couple times, this was the worst episode. And I was like, oof. (laughs) I have tried to shoot a rat before with a BB gun, Mm -hmm. um, but that did not work. I've never tried to punch a rat because I... I treat rats very similar to 1930s cartoon women who uh, jump up on a table and I hold my skirt up as they run around the room. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like 1980s cartoons and it was going to be your uh, master who trains you or teaches you karate, but it's fine. Or I put them on my head so I can cook real good. I can cook French food real good. If they pull your hair. Just right. (laughs) Rats are huge in pop culture. Respect them. The Walking Dead is on Sundays on AMC. Our next show is Snowpiercer. In the two-part season finale of season two of Snowpiercer, 1,034 cars long, so much fucking happens. But in short, Leighton and Ruth break out of out of sewage and plan with Javi, Ben, Till, Alex, and the Brinchman, Breachman to steal the front ten cars of Snowpiercer to save Melanie after Wilford turns into a crackling carnival barker. Meanwhile, Josie is an even better ice walker, TM Mike. Then I see Bob was and says, fuck off, Wilford, saving the day and helping the plan go off. Unfortunately, Melanie is dead, but saves the data and Javi gets eaten by a dog. Taste buds, I ask you this. How does Wilford's fanatic love of power, even in the face of the apocalypse reversing effect, the quality of the show? So I know I'm the sole fan on superhero of this show and I still stand behind it. I think it does a lot of cool things. Uh, Huge fan of Davi Diggs and Ruth and like team team Layton. Uh, all of them do a good job and there's some silly moments, but Melanie was a great villain because you could see why she did all the fucked up stuff she did in the first season. And Sam Beam, I think I remember him being a good actor, but and so maybe it's not his fault. But it is he literally does turn into a carnival barker. There's a secret train that's never been opened, and he opens it and it is a carnival for kids, and he comes out of like this weird spinning tunnel. And gives the little Taily girl cotton candy. And even she's like, this is bullshit. Uh, He is so mustache twirly. And he wants Melanie dying. Because he doesn't want anybody to know the world is heating up. That they could live on it again. Because he loves the power so much. There's a point where he almost kills all of the 1,034 cars. Because power might be taken away from him. And maybe you could say that isn't that realistic. Because look at the old white men in power and what they do. But it just feels like having a nuanced villain the first season, he is a cartoon. I mean, Carnival Barker is another way of saying, like, snake oil salesman. Right? Mm-hmm. So, And that's clearly what Sean Bean's character is. And so this feels like the subtext becomes the text. And that becomes the super text. And that becomes the text! And yeah, this feels like... <laughs> You know, this is the thing that you always are watching Snowpiercer hoping doesn't happen and appreciating yeah. when it doesn't, but knowing that it will. It's it's just I guess it's just impressive now that every other villain they've had, you could see where they're coming from in their worldview. Where this is the first like, cause I need power and I want to jerk off to it, villain. And you're like, Oh, you guys did really good before that. Why would you do this now? <laughs> and that like especially when you watch any sort of villain who starts killing their henchmen in front of other henchmen. 
And then you're wondering, why would anybody stay on his side? Well, I like, guess, I, it all starts getting annoying. I guess what it comes to, to at that point is the, the grays, the go-betweens. Like, are there uh-huh. interesting, maybe Leighton, maybe Sean Bean people that you're now putting your interest in? Yeah, the, the, the Breachman, who was full-on Team Wilford, until he found out that Wilford got all of his people killed. And so, Nat, like, he still believes a lot of, like, the more authoritarian leanings, but he's on their team. Or Ruth. I think the arc of Ruth over two seasons is great. She's now fully, like, her and Leighton were in the sewage. And it's because she would not announce to the train that they're leaving Melanie. So she got, her teals were taken away, and she was quite upset. And then... There, there, there's this great uh, little montage of her. At first, when she gets thrown into the sewage car with Leighton, she does not move. She's just sitting there staring off. But then she starts digging through the literal shit with him. And then they're walking by and like doing a high five thing. And it's just like, fuck yeah. And like by the end, when she is putting her own neck on the line, which is not the Ruth that was at the beginning of the show, like I think this actress crushes it. And that this arc, they handled really well. Cassie, do you ever notice that Mike sometimes podcasts like Nicki Minaj raps where they're just talking normally and then all of a sudden I'm talking like this? <laughs> I've seen two different excited mics in this one and I did not expect Snowpiercer and Supergirl to be the ones to bring it out. Right. But here we I are. mean, the world's going to do crazy things. And I will say, because like, I shit on Wilford so much, there, there was a great moment when uh, Javi, who's the, the, glad, the bespectacled engineer, says, you can't kill me, you need engineers. And Wilford knew that. But he got furious. Somebody said it to him. And that's when he... Guards are already beating up Javi. Like he was on the ground and they were punching him in the stomach and kicking him. And that's when he just released his pitbull at him. And he went, you don't tell me what I need, even if now only one person is alive who can drive this train. And by pitbull, you mean a rapper that always raps about Miami? Yeah. <laughs> Dolly. Honestly, I, like, he just... I thought that uh, Snowpiercer was supposed to be like a representation of our real life. But if people who are very conservative then start to think that maybe it's not that great to be conservative, then it's not. You're supposed to, if you're conservative, you're supposed to learn that your leader is an awful person and then be like, uh, I'm doubling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, some people are, but some people learn. So maybe that's the point is some of the people can learn. That's not, tr- <laughs> that's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's simply not. Uh, Mike, do you got a moment of the week? Yeah, so uh, Josie, who is now the Ice Walker, is out on the the, the the final showdown between them and Wilford before they steal the, the 10 cars is there's an aquarium car. And it lets you know that he, sure, he designed the perpetual engine, but this guy does not have priority straight. If he's like, we should have an aquarium. Uh, <laughs> she stabs through the top of it and the ice goes out tendrils. And the way they shot the ice, like stabbing through the fish before shattering everywhere was Visually, the dopest thing the show has done. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and that they have a full-on superhero. Like, that she can withstand the ice and, like, it, it, it was it was ridiculous and awesome in the best way. Hell yeah. At least it's got some good points. Uh, it's going to return next season to TBS. Our next show is Riverdale. On uh, this week's episode of Riverdale, Archie is caught off guard while preparing for the school's parent-teacher night when his former Army general shows up in Riverdale with some unexpected news. That news? He's now in charge of Cobra Kai, and Archie no longer is. Betty and Alice received some unexpected visitors. Taste Buds, I ask you this. How unexpected is it that this is the first episode of the Superhero Show Show where nobody watched Riverdale? <laughs> I was a little surprised just because Mike seems to be a glutton for punishment. But like, I think you could tell it was coming here. Like, It was slowly like making you guys bummed. 83 episodes we got through. And then on the 84th, all three of us. Nope. 
said no thank you and it, it, like maybe if supergirl didn't have a premiere i wanted to give its final premiere some due mm-hmm. so maybe i would have watched riverdale but like you can only watch so much stuff you don't actually like. well let me ask you this then asshole Riverdale's going on hiatus. It's going to come back in six weeks. Are you going to watch this one before, like, to rev up for the return? Or are you going to be like, oh, how about this? I'll never watch Riverdale again. Fuck you, Riverdale. Oh, that sounds like a joy. But I've said that three times on this show since Riverdale's run. So it is my abusive husband, and I will always go back to it no matter how many times they say I won't. Good thing to joke about. It's like jingle jangle. You always go back to it. Um, If you want to watch it, it is Wednesdays on the CW. When it does come back, our next show is Batwoman. On this week's Batwoman, Ryan's ex tries to get back with Ryan and leave the false face. She thought she could get out with one last job driving the getaway car for the commissioner's murder, but turns out the only way out is in a body bag. With the protection from Batwoman, Angelique agrees to turn on the false face, or at least until they threaten bartender Ryan, making her take the fall for the murder. Also, Alice Alice is experiencing a full mental break and is going to get past it by deciding Kate never lived. And it turns out Kate really is alive, but she decided to get in a fight before crashing, and that is why her face is completely different. Taste Mike, I ask you, we knew there had to be an excuse for the different Kate, but was this one especially weak? It it was a little convoluted. If you were going to be like, oh, she... Yeah, the fight before the fall, like the, the, the it didn't make sense. Just be like, I she got to... in a crazy plane crash. She looks different. Yeah. Like, or don't mention it. We used to not mention it <laughs> when people were recast. We would just move on. And not after no... an episode or two, we're fine with it. Not no more. It's a thing of the past. But this one did. It needed like a murder board with red string to figure out like the timeline of events. They were like, oh, she like got in a fight with men before the plane crashed. I was like, that's a lot of layers to something you didn't I need. checked out. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm just like okay, and Black Mask, who is entrenched in this city, but we've never heard of him before. He's the one who has her, and they're gonna tr- wipe her mind and turn her into a sad. Like, I love goofiness in comics, but it's like you you have to figure out how to deliver the goofiness mm-hmm. and make him new, make Black Mask a new force. Not like that, that. I think that's the part where I was like, well, why we've never met him before if he's this powerful already? Like, yeah, it was weird that he was like, you know, he's essentially running this town or the under like underbelly of it, and like he's this huge character it felt but we knew literally nothing about him like he talked about yeah. his past of like how uh was it his sister somebody was murdered by batwoman and i was like his, mm, news to me yeah he said his daughter was murdered by batwoman and and so he yeah when he was confronting ryan but does that mean like batwoman failed in saving her like yeah we just need some clarity a little, right a like, little bit are you show your work <laughs> they showed no work on this one we did get a lot of um, Angelique in this one, though. And I know I've kind of like gone back and forth where if I want her to have a second chance, if I want them together, how are you feeling about like this third chance in this one? I'm sick of her. I'm <laughs> sick. Go to jail. Good. Go away. Get out of the show and out of my life. <laughs> At no point during like her apology, you like you just wanted her completely out. Like you. Yeah. Like like I get like the the one last job trope. Not if it's helping somebody get murdered. And you're like, what? I thought it'd be okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> die. Go away. <laughs> did it, did it, but like, did she get any redemption in your eyes when she took the fall? Like, it's it's also a played out trope. But when she took the fall for Ryan, thinking she was protecting her, um, like, did that? Get- well, she didn't take the fall for Ryan. She's saying she did it because they threatened Ryan. Mm-hmm. It's all dumb in a way for her to get latched even more into Ryan. She is yeah. bad for Ryan. She is bad for the show. <laughs> like it's and, and like I and I hate 
the ex that you haven't seen in literally years can have this much control over you. Like, mm-hmm. go to a therapist. If that is true, if you haven't seen an ex in seven years and they can do projecting, fuck up you, like that much, you need heavy therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I'm with you on that. Like, I wanted, at first, the first time I saw Angelique come back, I was like, I want to give this chance, but like, this third one was entirely too much. And it was a yeah, lot of how the many episode. Chances? How many can she get? <laughs> it was wild. Um, but we do also have, I, th- we did get introduced to Sophie's little sister, Jordan, who is yeah. like this activist all about, you know, uh, ACABs or ACRO. And uh, like, I love her. I can't wait for her. I hope she gets more in this. Yeah, she, she she's like this graffiti artist activist and she calls Batwoman cringe <laughs> and, and like, and like, and does make like, so one, get those Gen Z kids to watch this and look how the old people are misusing their terms. But uh, to, she, to have that, like, Ryan thinks she's the young, new, hip thing. And to have somebody else be like, no, you're just another suit with a power trip. Mm-hmm. And to force Ryan through that, I, I think it'll be interesting. Like, even though Batwoman is anti-establishment, isn't she sort of working with the establishment now? Yeah. And I think it could be a cool catalyst. Yeah, for sure. And we also get, where like, her finding like working with her sister like pushed her even more or sophie to see like by the end of this she finally agrees that like the cops are not the answer or the crows are not the answer so like i'm hoping in this i don't know if it'll be as soon as the next one but we are getting closer to her you know stepping away from the crows and it means like she'll yeah i i think it's so smart to call the cops crows in this and say they're not the cops so they can for a network show, say as much as they want that cops are the fucking worst and no police force is a good police force. Yeah. But be like, we're talking about the crows. Because <laughs> if, if they didn't just do that little switch, people would probably be pissed at this show instead oh, yeah. of not noticing that. Well, plus, yeah. when you get a group of crows together, what's that called? It's a murder. When you get a group of cops together, what's going to happen? It's murder. 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 But yeah, I am loving, and this is one that, like, they are not dropping this at all. Like, every episode is, like, one of the main plots is, like, Hey, crows suck ass, right? And I'm like, hell yeah, yeah loving this. <laughs> yeah, because Dugray Scott, uh, J- Jacob Kane, in the beginning, him and uh, Sophie are talking, and he's like, well, we're, I know like you say there's some issues with the crows, but we're trying to make it better. One, bro, you invented this service, so it is your fault. And she throws in his face, she's like, if you were trying to make it better, those guys wouldn't be on paid leave. They would be in jail for murdering that dude like mm-hmm. that they hit with their car. Yeah, He's like, well... What we're gonna <laughs> what we're gonna arrest that? every crow who murders somebody? A like. man with that mustache, I would never. Um, and also the other point we get uh, Alice who is having tea with young Kate, and then mm-hmm. after petting her dead cat, uh, Kate tells her like, "This is how you deal. This is you going through a mental break." Yeah, Alice is learning. Oh, you're right. So I should embrace the mental break even more and force a mental break harder so i forget i had a sister one i don't know if that's how mental health works uh that you could just turn that dial uh and it now it feels like they don't know what to do with alice they Mm -hmm. they, like don't want to lose her because she's great but it's i don't know i kind of liked having her on the show and she was just in her own side story yeah and maybe would come in and out of everybody else's but instead they're probably going to be like nope she's a full villain again yeah I don't know. This one, there was a lot of issues with this one. I'm still, I'm still enjoying the show, and I'm hoping, like, it, it's just like I'm hopeful for it still. Yeah. Um. Do you got a moment of the week though? Uh, I do. Like, I, I like the, the character of Black Mask is cool. It's always funny when different properties are like, we should use the same character, and you're like, okay, there's a thousand, but let's do this. But there's a moment where 
Uh, Ryan is tied. This is such classic old school superhero. She's tied to a conveyor belt and there's a saw coming out of her. Mm. And she calls him a sadistic drug lord. And he looks at the other guy who works for him who he just sawed in half and very calmly goes, I can see why you'd think that. And that made me laugh. Yeah. That's that scene in general is just my moment of the week of just getting this dude in like a suit and a black mask, like having two people. There's two conveyor belts leading to a giant saw. And like, this is his plan. And I, I just love the aesthetics of it. It felt very old school. And I was about it. Uh, Batwoman is on Sundays on the CW. Our next show is The Flash. On this week's episode of The Flash, a new villain, Psych, strikes at the people of Central City, giving them visions of their worst fears. And you guys are never going to believe this. But Flash is his next target. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Is Psych taking away too much time away from beefy wrestler woman Hulk? Yes, I'm furious. <laughs> there was not one that she mention. is not the big bad. Okay, well, how, I don't, I don't want Mike to up? get furious because then he becomes beefy wrestler woman Hulk, and I don't want that to happen. You wouldn't like me when I'm beefy wrestler woman Hulk. <laughs> just rolls but off yet. the tongue. That was all I wanted for this episode, and the fact that it didn't happen makes me glad that I didn't watch it this week. Oh, well, so many things make me glad that I didn't watch Flash this week, but yeah. <laughs> Add it to the list if you want to watch it. It's Tuesdays on The CW. Our next show is Winona Earp. Uh, the third to last episode of Winona Earp ever. Waverly is stuck in the fog with none other than Jolene. Pause for Mike to sing. Jolene, Jolene. Jolene is back to her old ways of focusing solely on torturing Waverly, and boy does she. Eventually, Winona goes in to rescue Waverly, but gets thrown out of the fog by Jolene. Fearing her sister dead, Waverly finally does what she didn't want to do the whole time and becomes some sort of dark angel, telling Winona that her journey is over. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Now do we feel like we're approaching the end? Yeah, this feels pretty (laughs) endgame. I also, did I have to look up who Jolene was? For sure. I did it. I literally Googled Winona or Wiki, and it filled me in so much. Because all I remember yeah, well, is some android from Dark Matter. Right. I recognized I recognized the actress. I was like, we like her. She was on this show before. Uh, and it's one of those things where, like, anytime you start dealing with unwieldy mythos, it, it gets, like, a little, like, what? They acted like we should have always known that Waverly had a dark twin demon, mm-hmm. but she sh- only shown up in two episodes before. Yes. So I think it's totally okay for us to have forgotten who Jolene oh, was. Oh, do you feel bad? Because you, you, do you feel like you didn't pay enough attention to Winona Earp in the past? It's okay. It's okay. Four we had to ago. look it up. Um, and this is a villain that's like more Eddie Brock than Doctor Doom. It's not like, oh, I want world domination, but this person stands in my way. It's not that. It's I hate this one specific person, right. and I'm going to dedicate all of my villainy to this one person. And it's kind of us, right? She was the dark mirror towards Waverly and watched Waverly have everything she wished she could have had. Like, so it could be interesting if we had more time. Uh, How was that? Us? I'm. That's us? Huh? That's us. You and me. <laughs> so wait, which, are, am I Waverly or Jolene? Only one way to find out. Oh, do you mean Jordan Peele's 2018 film, Us? That is exactly uh, okay. what I mean. I misunderstood. Is the Amazon the upcoming Amazon show Them using the same script? Is it connected at all, or is it somebody just taking the iconography of tropes. 2018 Jordan Peele's film? Oh, it's, huh? just, it's just tropes. Those are tropes now. Us is so famous that those are tropes, and we can now use them. That we can just use the same script? Yeah. Okay. Off topic. Not same script. I'm much more interested in... Every, everything is coming to a head and ending, but I'm much more interested in all of them versus Black Badge, and that Black Badge is gone f- full off bat shit and is arresting their own people if they don't agree. Or uh, Black Badge was always like this. 
or maybe that they're take they I think that sometimes a lot of conservatives. I don't know if I've ever talked about conservatives on the show before, but oh, what's your politics? Sometimes right? conservatives will take advantage of uh, uh, like a catastrophe or a crisis or a disaster and say, "Oh, mm-hmm. now is the time that we strike." Um, and so we have this Bill Paxton motherfucker, yeah, who is uh, he he tries to gain our trust in the beginning. I gotta say, did not trust him right from the get go, Mike. No, I, not I, I, once. you know, I really didn't. Um, and he is trying to uh, now basically become in charge, which I think is uh, sort of like how banana republics or the United States works. You either have to be a banana republic or the United States. Or shop the banana republic. Yeah, so it's a faction within Black Badge is taking over, but Jeremy's thrown in jail as human food. Cause, so they're making a, a demon arc. They only want one of each de- kind of demon. Because we, we watch them kidnap demons. They're like, oh, we already have this kind of horn demon, so they just kill him. Um, and I would say if you need two of each demon, I would say para-demons are the best because there's yeah. a pair. And you get to surf. Yeah. They're the best demons for surfing. Uh, so they're capturing them, and so they're going to escape somewhere else. And this guy is all about trying to get – he's like, Winona, you're the best demon hunter there is. You should come joining our team. Well, it would be Thinking- complimentary to call her a demon hunter. Instead, he can only bring himself to say asset. You're just an asset. asset. And even though two of her best friends are in his jail, one as – said demon one as demon food and he thinks like surely she'll come i said she was a good asset uh but uh yeah uh i'm i'm here for it i'm i'm ready to see waverly's angel fight demon thing probably kill the black badge okay let's that's my prediction let's get to waverly and winona's arcs we've been talking about arcs a lot tonight and i'm not talking about noah anymore i'm talking about character arcs uh waverly is fighting the entire time this episode and really for the last two seasons to not become the person that she does and that she does it. And is that a sacrifice or is that a weakness? The other thing that we have in the beginning is Waverly confronting Winona about, finally, there's an intervention with Winona Earp. And uh, they confront her and then she's like, well, fuck you. This is what I need to do. And then they move off of it immediately. And now I'm starting to think, do they both have to die? I don't know how they're going to sum like give us a good message by the end other than give into your darkness other well my prediction now is that waverly sacrifices herself and that forces winona to become a fully realized human being to move on i think they're going to fridge waverly okay so i don't know if it's fridging if it's at the end of the show instead of the beginning i'll take that bet but only because i want you to get my money because i think that's a really good yes i think that that would be awesome because if Winona dies, everybody else is sad and can live a good life. If Waverly dies, everybody's sad and Winona learns a lesson. It's just that with Winona's drinking, it feels like it feels like Winona's saying, "Well, I have to drink in order to do my job." And they're projecting. <laughs> that's so continue. That's so rude of you to interrupt <laughs> me with that exact same word and song. Um, <laughs> but. Um, by the end of the episode, they're sort of like, yeah, I guess you do need to do that. You know, where are we going with this? Is there? I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see because we have two more episodes left. I also the her transformation into the angel. It did feel like Jolene literally ripped the wings out from inside of her because she like started to pick at her back and pull things uh-huh. out. And then later Waverly's like, I have wings now. So that's a gruesome way to do it. Did you know that it was going to be like some sort of dark angel? I thought she was just angel. No. I think. What we learned in the Eden season is that 
because angels don't have humanity, there I don't think there's a good a dark or a good angel. They're all kind of dark because they can't they don't have empathy for humans. They're all kind of neutral and that's kind of dark. Yeah, neutral is kind of dark. So in one on earth as it is in D&D. All right, so I'm going to ask you uh before we go uh same thing with Invincible episode 2. Was this too much? Was this a lot of episode because they've been doing they've been fucking around for the last four episodes? I think they could have fucked around a little less the last four episodes and sprinkled some of this throughout. It was a like, lot, dude. To have the Jolene and the Black Badge reveal in one episode was a ton. I agree. So, Mike, moment of the week. Maybe we didn't need fucking Rotten Jack. Uh, so they got a, a sentence that is burned in my brain that I'll use with one of my co-hosts someday. Who knows which one? Uh, Waverly says to Winona. You know, I really thought we had a few more years from transitioning between fun drunk to mean alcoholic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holding on to that one. I know which co-host. It's the mirror, man. Why don't you look yeah. in the mirror every once in a while? <laughs> and then uh, Mercedes pops out of nowhere after years uh, to save them. And then they're like, are you a demon or human? And she goes, would a demon have a rack like this? And then everybody in prison stops and thinks for a second and goes, Kate, in the same tone of voice. And that may, I don't remember who Kate is, but it's fucking hilarious to have that beat. <laughs> I cannot believe you didn't look up who Kate was after you heard that she might have a great rack. Mercedes, what happens to Mercedes is classic. We only have three episodes left where mm-hmm. Mercedes comes out. And she's like, I'm Mercedes. Here we go. And then just gets popped immediately. Just shot right in the chest. Uh, before I get to my moment of the week, I do have to ask you about the fact that People were talking about how when they're in the fog, they uh, peel their face off. Yeah. But they would say, the, the characters would say, oh, I peel my face off. And they wouldn't say, I peel my face off. Is That's that, why the show sucks. Is that weird? Always has. Always will. It's very weird. My moment of the week is uh, Wynota going against, who's the guy who, like the fog expert? Oh, the, the chili guy? Yeah, the chili guy. Uh, trying to talk shit on him. And she says, uh, you're an idiot. You covered your craft dinner with kimchi and weed. And the way that <laughs> the way that she says weed is very just hit the weed as hard as possible. <laughs> oh, sounds like a great moment. Uh, if you want to finish off Winona with us, it's Fridays on Sci-Fi. Our last show is Falcon and Winter Soldier. On the third episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Z stands for Zemo, and he's the key to helping Bucky and Sam find the super soldier serum. Zemo plans to do this by getting them in with the lowlifes, first on that list being the lowlife Shelby. Unfortunately, the plan does not go as planned, and Shelby ends up getting killed, a bounty bounty being put on Sam and Bucky's head, and old friend Sharon having to save them. With the help of Sharon and Z, they find find the doctor who made the serum, and we find out that all 20 vials have been taken. Taste buds, I ask you, we were told this was a buddy cop comedy, but how are you feeling about Zemo being one of those buddies? Uh, um, I actually, I think that the relationship between Falcon and Bucky seems forced a lot of the time. Like the whole, you're not going to pull your seat up, are you? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's a lot of like, oh, I used to work on action scripts in the 90s and I'll rewrite your thing. Um, adding Zemo to the mix does help, I think, a little bit. But there's yeah. still, there's a scene in the plane where like in the course of their plane travels, they both get up like four times to choke out Zemo and say, "You will never do that again." <laughs> it's a lot of that. It's yeah, it's a little, it's a little rote, and they're not doing enough to play with. They're not trying to make the last action here. They are just being like, "You guys have seen action movies. Let's do those beats." Well, I mean, yeah, like there's not a lot of meta except for the time where Falcon straight up says, "Have you never seen action movies?" Uh-huh. He screams it. 
Uh, uh, but I, I like Zemo. I think this actor is doing had in this in this one episode. He's had more to do to fledge out who he is as a human than he did throughout Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I also like that he is basically an Eastern European Sterling Archer. He has Woodhouse. His his little old man yeah. pilot Butler looks like a real life Woodhouse, and the way they interact with each other is very similar. And who knows not to murder the guests on the plane, but just to give them the food that does not pass the stink test. <laughs> that guy, and has gone wrong. I would watch a spinoff of Zemo and Woodhouse going around the country. Have you guys ever known more for a fact that you are watching a future GIF than when Baron Zemo was in the club doing his little dance, just knowing, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see that on GIF soon. I, I, I love, so Sharon Carter, we find out, has been, uh, did not get pardoned and is pissed about it, which makes sense. Shark art. Is like a, an art dealer in Madripoor, first thing of the X-Men that's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but she's like, okay, you guys hide out here. I do have a bit of a party tonight. And instead of hiding in the back room nobody will go to, they all go and party, which yeah. is just hilarious. <laughs> It immediately cuts to them and the other two not partying in the club. Zemo down to party a little bit as yeah. a white man does party in the club. Just little shakes, <laughs> little shakes. Um, I do. There is a lot with like this, uh, like low life town and all that. But before we get to that, I want to talk about because we got very little with shitty cap um, or the new cap. But we did get in the intro like him. I like that they immediately put him like working with the cops like they are not hiding the fact that this is a shitty Captain America. Like, they were like, your yeah. first mission with the cops. Also, you're going to freak out on a dude for no reason. Well, a little bit of oh. reason, but not like that. <laughs> I, it, the beginning of the episode, uh, we get the first... WandaVision was famous for its commercials. So we get the first Falcon and Winter Soldier commercial, and it's this. <laughs> it, it looks like a P&G, like a, a weird yeah. power plant, creepy corporation. It's all about why the, like, the repatriation organization... That's there to help the world post blip. You love uh, your family. You enjoy watching wheat grow in the fields. <laughs> and that means you like laws and borders. Like they really hit that hard at the end. Uh, and then it shows uh, John Walker Cap jump out of the the van that has the same logo on it. It's like, oh, if you were still wondering if he was a bit of a tyrant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> He's going to bust into a room with no evidence and scream at this German guy. There's a there's a lot to go uh, over in this episode, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to bring up again the fact that the internet is reacting poorly to John Walker, Captain America, as if they're in the they're in the world of the MCU. Yeah. Like they're like we don't like this Captain America. Do they not know that we're not do, supposed to like this Captain yeah. America? <laughs> do they think the show likes him? I don't. <laughs> they're like, fuck this guy. He's not my Captain America. And if I was like the showrunner or a writer, I'd be like, good. Yeah. good oh, Wyatt it. Russell has said he thinks it's hilarious. Like, like okay. He, he's, he really likes being Marvel's punching Because I'm worried about his psyche. But yeah. <laughs> No, I think he's very close to the dude from Lodge 49. I don't think there's anything shakable about his psyche. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we do get like a little bit of that, but it does focus a lot on Madripoor. Is that the city? Madripoor? Madripoor. Yeah. Um, Which I thought that we had been to before. I don't know why. I think that maybe I thought that the Black Panther Casino was in Madripoor because it was such no, a dirty was- place. Just South Korea, you racist, <laughs> classist, uh, piece of shit. But no, I think they go like they're speaking of Wakanda. There's a reveal at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. and yeah. 
us being in Madripoor was like a more of a thrill for me as a Marvel nerd than the reveal at the end. I was like, oh my goodness, look at the fucking disgusting purple lights, and I can smell it. Oh god, the city stinks. <laughs> it just legally couldn't have happened a year or two ago. And Wolverine like helped rule Madripoor for years in the comics. Oh, it was, it, was it like X Men under the X Men contract? Under yeah, the Fox contract. Yeah, Madripoor is fully under the that. Fox contract. That's why it's exciting. Because yeah, Wolverine. The if you had the Marvel masterpieces trading cards, him in the <laughs> like white tuxedo with the eye patch and his hair even more Wolverine out. That that oh, this man. is Madripoor. Cassie, what a lot of people don't know, what, what I will inform you of, is that like Sharon Carter is now a trader of high priced paintings. Uh, Mike had all of the Marvel Masterpieces cards, and people would come over into his den and be like, "Well, in tuxedos, and be like, this, this is I will buy this for seventy five cents," and he'll be like, "Get out of here!" And then they would get shot in the chest through a window for by nobody. It was the most casual flux, besides him flexing on how he knows other Jimmy Buffett songs that like I've witnessed. Like- <laughs> Fans to the left, I should get a different one to sing every time you bring up Jimmy Buffett. Uh, how do you guys feel like, so the, 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 this whole series is obviously taking on what it means to be a hero. Sharon Carter, who was fully Team Cap, is now jaded and like spitting in Bucky and Sam's face. Do you feel it's natural? Do you feel like they're hitting it a little too hard? How did you take her attitude? I felt fine with it. It felt natural. I mean, like she she got shafted in this whole deal. Like she's still on the run. Like as she said, she can't get with her family. So it's hard to like like be against her for that mm-hmm. like you, she's still working through it it's part of the process like she is living in madripoor so come on i thought that this was the worst part by far and i think that you you don't have to blame falcon and winter soldier you could blame civil war for uh-huh. not giving her any character before mm-hmm. yeah. you know but because she was so vanilla and so bland but here it was it seems so try hard to me like everything that anybody said she was like uh that character in the state who was like a, a teenager was like, fuck you, dad. I don't need to hear anything about you. Whatever anybody said, she was like, well, you go enjoy your fucking swing sets and gold bar helmets. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, which is not to say that the- like in her action scene, she fucking destroyed. Oh, I'm, I'm only it. talking about her dialogue. This is like it was so well done and subtle that the, how she fights is the most brutal we've seen in this show, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because she's fighting. She is half the weight and size of everybody uh-huh. she's fighting, so she has to be brutal. Yeah. It was, I think, that kind of subtlety and nuance. I'm like, okay, showrunners, I'm on board for this, and it was just awesome to watch. And Marvel does this thing of like, we really aren't going to try to kill people because we have superpowers and they don't. And she doesn't. And so she's like, oh, I'm going to murder every motherfucker that, like, (laughs) stabbing, shooting, stabbing, shooting. Like, it's, she goes off. It's, uh, you know who it is, Mike? It's, uh, we fucked up Bobby Morse. And so this is going to be our Bobby Morse. Yeah. The, uh, I don't want to, like, we are almost out of time, but I just want to mention real quick, like, this episode, the action and all that, really, like, I got sucked in with it. It had, like, strong John Wick vibes where I was just, like, I was Mm. loving this one. But um, before we end this, we do got to talk about there's a couple big reveals. We do have, how do you feel about how they're like almost humanizing the super people? Because we get a lot of the one young girl who's got the superhero serum. Like she gets a pretty long scene of like talking about how, you know, she's just trying to survive. But then, you know, the very next scene, she goes over the top and straight like murders half the people in the building. Yeah, so they're like that- towing this line. The second that she said, buckle your seatbelt. No, buckle your yeah. seatbelt. I was like, 
Hold on to your butts. Oh, wait, hold on. Like, we were almost about to, like, you know, you guys are, like, robbing from the rich to give to the poor. And I thought mm-hmm. that, like, we were going to work this out. And then she just, she puts a bomb in a car for almost no reason and then burns, like, ties people up and burns them to death. I don't, like, I guess it, it well, was exciting to watch, but. It's, 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 uh, those were the global cops that John Walker Cap is working with. That's who she tied up and killed. But, I mean, there's following um, orders and there's following orders. Like, aren't they still right. just guys who have families? I mean, isn't everybody uh, who does fucked up stuff? It's it's her Killmonger moment. Here's the problem with Marvel, and there, there's a lot. This one is bringing up once again. Like, aren't they just like uh, pro fascist uh, policing the world, rah rah movies? And I'm always like, no, uh, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but because they're always like, no. See, we don't like John Walker. We get to decide who does what and what. And so the people were like, Killmonger's right. And that's why they had to have the scene where he choked a grandmother. Right. And it's like, well, is he? And this is her that. Okay. But except hers was blowing up cops. So I don't know. See, it's- and, <laughs> and I would say an, un- an unsubtly handled character. I think it was done better yeah. with John Walker in the last episode because you can see John Walker smile when he beats somebody to death. That's... Right. That's the subtlety that you show of like Captain America never or Steve Rogers never wanted to right. do it. He just had to. Whereas John Walker gets off on it. That's the difference. Whereas right. she, what's her name again? Carly. Carly was like, well, we did this and we're good. No, wait, hold on. I have to be a terrorist. Explosion. And her her buddy, her flag smasher buddy is like too far. Who is, yeah. I'm sorry, a, a smoking hot Asian dude with an Australian accent. <laughs> Yeah. Is that who that guy is? I'm yeah. a fan of that guy. Yeah. I also love that, that. Like, I don't know. She's not the one. I think it's dumb that people are like we don't know who the big bad is yet. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> the the, the storytelling is fine just because there's not a big bad. Right. Uh, I do love that it's a little redheaded girl named Carly who's mm-hmm. taking out everybody. He's making everybody afraid. That's hilarious. Oh, oh, you're afraid of the girl who sat behind me in middle school? Dope. <laughs> And then just real quick, we do so that end reveal. Did you guys have any idea this was going to happen? Like, I didn't pick it up. You know what? I read on Twitter that there was going to be a Wakanda reference, but early on, Sam is like, oh, is that what you fucking, because you fucking, hey, Bucky, you sucked in Wakanda. You want to suck here? Uh, (laughs) So I thought that was it. I did not see that coming. But I got to say, before anybody else answers, Baron or uh, Helmet Zemo grabbing the purple mask gave me more of a, than the, uh, (laughs) the Wakanda reveal at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because we haven't seen him wear his mask. And, and that's the fully stupid from the comics. Now we get it in here. And to have to uh, like to introduce the character in the purple mask and the big furry coat at the same time. That's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But to have him have one and then get the other one. That's how you do it. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We are out of time officially. So, Ryan, do you got a moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week is I'm going to have to like go to Sam for a, a bunch of reasons. But he's such a fucking trooper. And... When you tell anybody, whether it's a, a superhero or like a wannabe actor or comedian, you just got to play the part. You just got to you gotta improv. And then all they want to do is not disappoint their friends. So they will drink snake guts and they will <laughs> and they will answer their phone. Sam, the whole time is like, well, I don't want to do this, but like, it's not like physical. I'm going to prove that I'm a superhero by fighting. He's proving that he's a superhero by like, Growing up in Chicago and going like going to uh, 
Upright Citizens Brigade. I am. Knowing how this works, the whole time he's like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> yeah, his his uh, doing the shot of the snake nad liquor and just his like four time of trying to do it, trying to do it, trying to do it was so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, what about you? Moment of the week. Uh, John Walker's face uh, in the one of the, the earliest scenes. Uh, he screams, "Do you know who I am?" At the German guy, and the German guy very calmly going, "Yes," and I do not care. And his face—I thought he was going to rip that guy's head off right there. His <laughs> face right there was just like, "Oh man!" And even Battlestar is trying to starting to see it. Like, um, hey, bro, yeah, a little much. <laughs> There's another face too, real quick, where after uh, Sam drinks the snake gut liquor, uh, it cuts to Bucky, and he's like, "Okay, okay." They're just like appreciating the amount of improv that's there. It's like <laughs> how much he's committed to the bit. He's like, yes, I, good. <laughs> I am stone face all the time, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little appreciation on my face <laughs> for what he just did. Uh, it, bringing up Bucky moments. Uh, he javelins somebody with a pipe. Yeah, dude, like <laughs> that was and wild. Does not say anything. Arnold Schwarzenegger like like that's the perfect time to be like smoke that pipe. But he just <laughs> yeah. he says nothing. And that's why he's terrifying. Yeah, he just walks away from it like, oh, nice form, and then just goes into the container. I was like, it's insane. Uh, my moment of the week is going to be, as soon as we're introduced into, like, Madripoor, we see a fucking bitch walking across the grate in stiletto heels, and she doesn't fall in it to let you know that the people in this town don't fuck around. And I just love that. <laughs> it was the briefest moment. Um, they are trained with their shoes. <laughs> they are insane. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is Fridays on Disney Plus. You should definitely be watching it. Mike, it's the end of the yeah. show. You know you got to tell me about some websites. Go to yourpopfilter.com for everything we put out. If you like us, you'll love it. Throw a little slash Amazon in there. Bookmark it. That's how you shop through Amazon while also helping us. Uh, I lied before when I said yourpopfilter.com is the house of everything we put out. Go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter, pick a tier, get all kinds of extra content while helping us out even more directly. Uh, I think those are all the websites. Uh, Once again, I'll reiterate, if you want to make your shitty website less shitty, go to cybersprout.net, your partners for a digital world. Such a good tagline. Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? The other shows that we have are plentiful and beautiful. Let us start... Not but with such forth as Movie of the Year, the only show on the internet that gives you the exact single greatest movie of the year because of the science and the screaming that we have. That's Movie of the Year. Also, if you're in the neighborhood for new podcasts, please subscribe and download Unnatural 20s where Cassie and two non-Mikes and non-Ryans go over what it's like to go through life in their 20s. Unnatural 20s and Movie of the Year. Downloadable, subscribable, rateable, and reviewable, all on your podcatcher of toys. That's right. Uh, Mike, can you tell me about social media? At your pop filter, on Twitter, on Instagram. Live it, love it, laugh it. You know how those work. <laughs> all three, you must do. Eat uh, it, pray also- it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> we also got to email. Pop it. Pull it, twist it. Uh, contact at your pop filter. You can reach out that way. If you're watching any of these shows we aren't, go ahead and write in and let us know what's happening. We'd really appreciate it. Next week, we got a big episode. There's a lot happening. It's the Walking Dead season finale. Oh, yeah, we got the finale of Snyder's Justice League. Also flashed in the 90s. So, like, so many things to be cheering for next week. It's going to be great. Hey, guys, I'm sick next week. I'm yeah, gonna I'm actually going to be gone, too, Cassie. <laughs> 
you know what? I think we'll find three strangers to fill in for us. Uh, it's going to be fine. See who we get for that. But for today's episode, it's been for Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. Bye.